Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from Jesus Christ, his only Son. Amen. Well, dear friends, you, you probably looked at the back of your bulletin, and for me, this is my 20th anniversary in the ministry. And so maybe I'll just talk to you a little bit this morning about the, the particular uh, path that my life took. Now, as far as the, the Christian faith, I can well remember, for me, it was in the sixth grade. And as I sat in church on a particular Sunday in the sixth grade, the text that Ron read for us this morning uh, began to echo in my mind. You know, sometimes people get un uncomfortable if you say, you know, the, the Lord spoke to me. But still, I think the Lord can speak to us through the Holy Scriptures. And I, I can't remember anything that the pastor said that day. I can't remember really anything special that, that happened in church. You know, it, it wasn't like some big chill was running down my spine or the angel of the Lord appeared and, and, and descended upon little Joe Crosswhite sitting there. But I remember the words from the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. For me, that was probably the first very important experience that I had with the Lord in church. That in my mind, those words echoed over and over. In the beginning, God created. Now, as I was growing up in, in Colorado, the state of Colorado had a policy that if they taught evolution, they also had to teach creation uh, alongside of it. Um, you know, about, about 85 or something like that, I believe the Supreme Court struck that down, and so states could no longer be required to teach creation, but I grew up before that. And, and so it wasn't like there was you know, a really big battle between myself and the public school uh, you know, with, with my Christian faith because science teachers in Colorado at the time also had to teach creation. But yet still, it always kind of stuck with me that, that for me, in my personal walk with God, it started at that very beginning. That God seemingly pointed out to me, this is very important. And I really, truly believe that it is. Because if our friends, if our family, they come to doubt that God actually created the heavens and the earth, then it's so very easy for them to doubt other parts of the Bible, isn't it? For if God didn't quite tell us the truth about where we came from, then how can we trust him even when he says, he loves us. How can we trust him when he says he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins? 
How can we trust him when he says he knit us together in our mother's womb? For really, evolution just kind of says the opposite, doesn't it? That it's just kind of an accident that we're here. And they talk about you know billions of years and how over billions of years, making just 1% change a year, you and I came to exist in our present form. But we teach something completely different, don't we? That a caring and loving God, using his intellectual powers, created us in just the way that he wanted. And he did it with care, and he did it with love, and he did it with a purpose. That we have a heavenly father. And that heavenly father, he knows our name. He knows our every thought. He stands willing to forgive us of any sin that we commit. He sent Jesus, in fact, for that very purpose, so we can be home in heaven with him someday, so we can enjoy that fellowship and that love. You see, God loves us. And as we come to trust in him, as we come to believe in him, is it not natural that we would trust his first word? That God created the heavens and the earth. And that we as little children would respond with love and with trust to him. But then, you know, we, we kind of go out into the world, don't we? You know, for, for me, you know, I, I went off to a, a secular university in high school, I had taken Bible literature classes taught by a very, very godly, uh, elderly woman in our public school who believed in the Bible, who believed in Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And so those were wonderful classes to take in my high school. But going off to the secular university, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll take a, a Bible class. was taught by a, a woman that didn't believe the Bible. She, she taught the class as, as just, you know, a form of uh, literature. She believed that there were several different authors that, that had contributed to a, a single book of Scripture, and that with her advanced intellectual ability, she was able to determine exactly which author wrote this little portion, which author wrote that little portion, and at such and such a time they, they were kind of combined together and interwoven. And God had nothing to do with it. Evolution, the Bible had evolved, you see, in her eyes. And so there you are, a, a, a young person away from home, sitting in the, the classroom at the university, being, being exposed you know, to, to secular uh, professors. And I, I know from my experience now, 20 years as a pastor, that that has an impact on people. You know, the, the young person leaving home for the first time, coming into a, a brand new culture, uh, they, they kind of come to be surrounded by that kind of thinking. 
And, and, and why is that again? Well, it's because our, our court system, our nation has ruled that Christianity cannot be forced down you know, the mouths of people of other faiths, right? And so then what does the secular school system have to teach? What do the secular universities you know, have to be able to do? They have to have some alternate explanation. Or you see, if my hands are tied and, and, and my, my mouth is gagged about talking about the Christian faith, and then you come and ask me, well, how did we get here? Well, as a, a secular teacher in the public school system, how can I explain the answer to that? If I can't talk about Christ, if I can't talk about God, and so we find secular humanism, right, infiltrating our, our schools. You know, secular humanism is that idea that, you know, people are their own God, in a sense, right? That we will somehow overcome by our human spirit, you see. And yeah, the other alternate is we talk about evolution. Well, well, well see, little Johnny, we got here because, no, 15 billion years ago, there was this vast explosion. And we just got 1% better every year over 15 billion years until finally, there were people. And little Johnny goes, wow, that's so amazing to learn about science. It becomes difficult, doesn't it? And maybe even for some of you, you, you sent your son or daughter off, off to the university. They, they left as, you know, God-fearing students who loved the, the Lord, attended church regularly. And then they came home finally four years later, and you couldn't get them to the church. Because they had come to believe something completely different. And it was just what their peers believed. It was what their teachers believed. They were formed in a different way. And then, it seems like in, in, in the, the 60s, especially in our nation, the, the church kind of gave up. If we're studying church history, we find that at many, many times, many places, it was during that period of the 1960s when, when the, the churches just kind of shrugged their shoulders and, and they said, well, maybe we can combine the two, you know? Maybe we can combine evolution and we can combine creation and we can just kind of weave them together and maybe the word day doesn't really mean day. You know, maybe the day means a billion years. Well, again, from our biblical perspective, if the word in the Bible, day, doesn't really mean day, what do the other words mean? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Maybe the word die doesn't really mean die. Did Jesus really raise from the grave? Maybe the word raise doesn't really mean raise. And if any word in the Bible can mean anything that we want it to mean, 
Where's our faith? How, how do we uh, come to worship God? How can we trust in God's Word if the words all just kind of mean whatever we feel like we want them to mean? But no, God has said that His Word is holy. His Word is special. His Word is to be the foundation. And that we as his children should trust in him. Trust in his word. Well, maybe for us in, in dealing with our, our secular counterparts, you know, even kind of becoming frustrated, we, we kind of start to, to look for proofs don't we? I mean, certainly the, the Lord has said, you know, blessed are those who have never seen and yet believe. And that, that really is the, the foundation of the ultimate kind of faith, isn't it? That, that instead of being like Thomas, saying, oh, what, unless I can put my, my finger in the holes in his hand and I can place my hand into the, the spear thrust in his side, and I'm not going to believe. And then Jesus appears and said, hey, come on, Thomas. Go ahead. Go ahead and put your, your hand into the hole in my side. Go ahead and put your fingers into the, the nail mark. And that's where Jesus says, you know, blessed are those who have never seen and yet believe. And it's probably all of you here today, right? But yet in talking with people in the outside world, we're kind of in that position where we kind of would like to have some proofs, wouldn't we? We kind of be able to, to like to point people in, in different directions. We kind of like to be able to say, hey, here's something solid. And for, for me, myself, it, it is, you know, the real Mount Sinai. And that, that's something that, that's been exciting for me over these last 20 years because when I was going through seminary, you know, way back 20 years ago, there were reports that the real Mount Sinai had been found. But it's in Saudi Arabia. And 20 years ago in, in Saudi Arabia, people went there and, and they took film. Their film was confiscated. Their, their lives were threatened. Um, you know, people from the United States could not travel to Saudi Arabia. And then about the time I graduated and started teaching and confirmation, there were two men from the United States, Bob and Larry. They, they went over, they snuck into Saudi Arabia. You know, maybe not the, the, the greatest Christian thing to do, to be sneaking into other people's countries, but they, they filmed, they got film of the, the site. It was in that high eight video footage. And so you remember 20 years ago, you know, with your high eight camera. And they got high eight video footage and they smuggled it back out and they put together a little documentary 
And I really enjoy showing that to my confirmation students these past 20 years. And what's really kind of cool about it now is Saudi Arabia has opened its borders and there's a tour company now. And supposedly this October, right, yeah, you know, things kind of get back to normal. Anybody can travel to Saudi Arabia and they can get in a little Humvee and they can go tooling across the desert over to the real Mount Sinai where they can see the remains of the nation of Israel when they were there. You see the original remains of the altar where Moses made the thousands and thousands of animal sacrifice. You can see the original place where the, the golden bowl was erected. You see the cave where Elijah you know, spent some time. You see the, the, the blackened top <coughs> of the mountain where we're told that the Lord himself descended on that particular mountain. You know, Moses set up 12 uh, pillars made out of marble, <coughs> and, you know, they're, they're kind of big, round things, and, and, and they're about this thick, and then they were stacked one on top of the, the other to, to make a pillar. And, uh, of course, you know, here thousands of years later, they've been pushed over. We can still see the, the giant slabs of marble, the round portions, that made up the pillars. You know, for, for me, you know, something like that is just so cool, right? But I, I think for, for me that the most impressive um, natural structure there is the split rock. Where the thousands and thousands of gallons of, of water would have come out to be able to uh, you know, supply the nation of Israel. And it, it, it's such a, a difference to see you know, some, some guy's high eight footage from 20 years ago of the split rock at Horeb, and now to be able to see you know, the, the 8K you know, the tourist video of the, the split rock at Horeb. I, I, I didn't think that I would maybe ever get to see you know, <coughs> such a video footage. And, and so you know, we, we have places like that, we have e events like that where we can say, yeah, you know, for these you know, 50 years I believed and now I can see it. I can see a, a portion. I, I can see what the nation of Israel saw. They're camped out in the desert. Yes, uh, we live in exciting times. We live in times where the Lord moves in people's hearts. We live in times where nations are coming to repentance. 
We don't know exactly where the, the wind of the Spirit will move. You know, and certainly here in the United States, sometimes maybe you, you raise your hand and you say, Lord, I sure wish the wind of the Spirit would come back here again, right? Because we, we look around and, and we have, still have so many churches, but oftentimes they're empty. We have so many churches, but oftentimes they struggle financially. They don't know how they're going to make it to next month. Now here in, in Minnesota, after a 10-week closure of churches, many of our sister congregations are in danger of closing because they, they were simply existing month to month and then for a couple months they, they didn't have the offerings that they used to have. It seems like we're struggling at times. But if we look over in the nation of Africa, for example, their Christian churches are growing by leaps and bounds. They're, they're adding hundreds of, of people every day. And so the, the Spirit moves where He will. And people are blessed. And people receive that Word of God. It's an exciting time. Dear friends, it all comes back to that very foundation, doesn't it? Now, we ask the question, what do you believe about God? And it can be a question you, you ask each of your friends and neighbors. You know, what do you believe? Hopefully for many people you're, you're in contact with, they, they would say, well, I believe God is my Father. Because you see, if God is your Father, it puts you in that kind of relationship, doesn't it? Where I go to God in prayer every day. I trust Him with all of my thoughts. I open up my heart to Him. In a special quiet place. I ask him for my daily needs. I go to him in prayer several times a day. For you see, if God is just for our friends and neighbors, somebody out there, somewhere, at a distance, who kind of made the earth over uh, billions of years, but didn't really feel comfortable telling us about that. Rather, kind of, you know, change the, the words um, so that we could somehow understand because we weren't quite bright enough. If God is just some kind of a faceless, nameless being that uh, maybe I, I go show respect for on Christmas or Easter, because my parents want me to. If God is, you know, just like some kind of a stone statue somewhere that can't really help me, well then I'm never going to have the kind of faith that saves me. See? 
But if God is my Father, if I trust in Him, if the words that He wrote in the Bible are truly His words that He gives me as a gift to tell me how to, to best live my life because He cares about me, if God is someone that, that I trust in, well then, of course I believe He made the heavens and the earth. And of course I believe that the nation of Israel traveled to Mount Sinai even though never having seen it in 8K travel footage. You know? And of course I believe that he knit me together in my mother's womb. That he has a wonderful plan for my life. That he longs to take my hand in his and walk with me through every trial and tribulation. That I know that even if I'm overcome by things in this world, God himself will lift me in his arms and carry me through those dark nights. That God loved me so very much, he sent his one and only son to die just for me. To open the way to heaven once again so I can join him someday. Do we believe God? And we answer today as we did 20 years ago. Yes, Lord, I believe. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen. <clears throat>